You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. Right, but look at this shirt. This is the, the infamous Three Wolf Moon shirt, if you've never seen it before. Um, and it's just so awesome. And um, I bought this shirt just because of the Amazon reviews that are left on it, right? For, for example, um, this is just one of them, but listen to what this reviewer said about this shirt. He said, uh, receive this shirt just in time for my job interview. <laughs> After seeing my awesome attire, the interviewing manager offered me his job. <laughs> of course, I accepted. I asked what he was going to do now. And he said he would like to interview for the position that I had come in to interview for. I told him that, unfortunately, he's just not qualified. But I did wish him well in his future endeavors, right? Um, So that's just an example of of quotes for this shirt uh, and just how awesome wolves are. Um, But really, there are qualities about wolves that we all desperately need if we're going to win this war within. Um, And in the first week, we talked about our thoughts, that if we want to be like wolves, then we need to think like wolves, right? We we need to declare war on those negative thoughts that often plague so many of our minds. Uh, And then last week, we looked at our words and how uh, we need to speak like wolves. Words are weighty, and they have such an impact on the world and the people around us. Uh, and a natural next step to talking, uh, after talking about our thoughts and our words, is now to talk about our actions. Our actions. Because if our faith, if our love for God, if it all just amounts to, to thoughts and words, then what we say and believe and think really is just good intentions. That's all it is. Right? And if our thoughts and words don't lead to action and a transformed life, then our faith is empty. It's empty. Our faith is no different from mere philosophy or ideology. It's really, at that point, no different than a lot of world religions out there. But even worse than that is if, if when we are inclined to share our faith with other people, then they are less inclined to receive it because all they hear are religious thoughts and religious words with very little action. Which is the same thing as what when you think about it? It's the same as being a hypocrite, right? When your words and thoughts look very different from the actions you take in your life, that's called hypocrisy. Even if our intentions are good. And what does James, one of the Bible authors, say about this kind of faith without action or faith without works? He says, faith without works is, finish it, dead, right? And I don't know about you, uh, but I don't want to live a dead faith, right? I want a living, vibrant faith that really does lead to good for myself and the people around me. I want a faith that's so alive, people can't help but ask me why I live the way that I do. I want a faith that no one can deny or say is empty because actions really do speak louder. So how do we get there? Well, we've got to look at our actions. Uh, and today, if we want to be like a wolf, the title of the message today is Act Like a Wolf, then Act Like a Wolf. I mean, can we just pray and go to God in this moment and welcome here, Him here in this place? Father, we thank you so much for how awesome you are. 
we thank you that, that right now, even well before this service started, God, people were praying and welcoming you here in this place. People were gathering and preparing you uh, for you to be in this place. And right now we ask that you would continue to do so. Bless us as we look at your word, as we look at your truth. God, we want nothing else but that. So would you silence all other noise that may be trying to run through our minds? Lord, and would you make your voice the biggest? We magnify you in this moment, God. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, so if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open it. Uh, it's okay to pull out your cell phone here at CCA and pull up your Bible app if, if you need to do that, um, or pull out your physical Bible, whatever you've got. And I want you to turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And if you don't have a Bible but would love a physical one, um, we have some on the back table right at the entrance. Uh, feel free to grab one of those Bibles. Take it for yourself. You don't need to give it back. It's yours. It's our, our gift to you. So we're looking at 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament. And we're going to look at a great passage of Scripture that, that really helps us understand uh, this concept of action. 1 Thessalonians, it's a letter written by uh, a man named Paul who is used by God to do incredible things in the world uh, for the glory of God and for his kingdom. So much so that even today, uh, thousands of years later, we still look at his works and live by, by what he taught through Jesus. Um, and it really is, his works are an inspiration of faith for us. And if anyone knows how to, to live, not just by thoughts and, and words, it's, it's our dude Paul, right? He lived a life of action and faith, right? And notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5, what he says about identity. And I'm going to read from the message translation today. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5, it starts out saying, You are sons of a light, daughters of day. Now we can just stop right there for a moment and we can relish in those words alone, right? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, then what does God, the, the mighty creator of everything that was, is, and is to come, what does that God think of you? He looks at you and thinks of you as a son of light or a daughter of day, and this is so important because it means that you are not the sum of all of your past mistakes in life, right? You are not the things that other people have said about you to, to cause you hurt or pain. You are not your shame and your guilt. You are not your disorder, your dysfunction, your disease, whatever it is. You're not your circumstances. Now, when God looks at you as a follower of Jesus, he sees his child, a son of light, a daughter of day. And that's important, church family, right, before we move on. Because the number one tactic of the enemy to destroy you, because there's an enemy in the world who wants to destroy us, is to get you to think differently about what God says about who you are. All right, this is what he did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, with the very first sin. He tried to convince them that the words that God spoke over them were not true. And it's an old trick, but it's a very effective trick, right? And the only way to not fall for the tricks of the enemy is to stop and remember the countless places in Scripture, like 1 Thessalonians 5.5, where God says, you are a son of light. You are a daughter of the day. I am who God says I am, which is a greater treasure than any other words that someone might speak over you. 
All right, so let's keep reading. Verse 5 again. Your sons of light, daughters of day, we lived under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we are creatures of day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and hope of salvation. Verse 9, God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we were awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we're alive with him. Right? And here's verse 8 one more time, the focus of this passage. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. All right, turn to somebody sitting next to you and say, act like it. Now turn to the, the other person sitting next to you, say, act like it. Right? Now just point at yourself and say, act like it. Right? Now, this whole sermon in just one sentence is this. Your daily activity should come from your new identity. Your daily activity should come from your new identity. What you choose to do every single day that God has given you to live this incredible life, this incredible faith, this new life in Jesus that you have, all of it should come from the brand new identity he's given you. Right? Or according to the theme uh, of this message, we should act like wolves, so to speak. And if we're going to act like wolves, the first thing we need to recognize is that we can't do it alone. Right? So if you're taking notes, here's point number one of four today. It's this. Every wolf has a pack. Every wolf has a pack. And you can just write down pack. All of my points are going to be P words today. All right? You see, wolves are such incredible creatures. See exhibit A again, right? Um, every wolf uh, ha- ha- just has these unique qualities about them. Um, like, did you know that a wolf's sense of smell is 100 times better than a human sense of smell? Right? That's crazy. Think about that. Um, that's probably one quality of a wolf that I wouldn't really want to have right now, uh, mainly because we still have a two-year-old at home in diapers. So um, that's just not where I want to go with my senses. Um, but one of the most inspiring things about wolves is their family devotion, right? their, their dedication to the pack. And it was Rudyard Kipling in, in the Jungle Book who said, the strength of the wolf is the pack and the strength of the pack is the wolf. And that's so true. And what's notable about wolves is that they stick together. They fight for each other. And in a world that is wild and dangerous, this is so important because, hear me, a lone wolf has no protection. A wolf that is off by itself can easily be taken out by a rival pack or a determined Liam Neeson, if you saw the movie The Grey, right? (laughs) But a wolf that has a family, a wolf that, that is, uh, has someone to fight for them, right, alongside them, someone to uh, protect them when they're sick and weak. That's a total game changer. Even the young wolves of a pack know that when the hunting party is out looking for food, there's going to be somebody to stay behind to look out for them, to care for them. And if you read up more on wolves, it's amazing to see how they organize their, their family, how they structure their family. It's actually a lot like uh, the military. Um, 
there's order and leadership even amongst animals, and wolves are a great example of that. Uh, and just like an army would have generals and captains and so on, um, we're familiar that wolves, their order, right? We, we know that every wolf has a alpha male, right? Um, but not just alpha males, they also have alpha females too. And this is to say that there is leadership, there is importance, there is even power that God intends for both sexes, right? Not just for wolves, but for people too, right? Hear me, ladies. God wants you to see yourself as strong, right? To see yourself as brave, to see yourself as capable in his hands for building the kingdom of God right here on earth, right? As daughters of the day. And hear me, this isn't just a nod to to today's culture of hyper-equality. This is just uh, recognizing something that God intended from the very beginning, right? That that both male and female have importance. They have purpose. They have something to give in seeing God's kingdom built on earth. And in the wolf pack, uh, it doesn't just stop with alphas. Uh, There are even betas as well, which is interesting, Um, There can be a whole bunch of betas in a pack who kind of act like the lieutenants. They make sure sure everybody's following the rules, right? Doing what the alpha has ordered them to do. And there are even more positions in the wolf pack as, as you research and look on. From the alpha all the way to the other end of the spectrum to the omega, right? There are even omega wolves in a pack. And the omega wolf is the last in the pecking order, Uh, This is the wolf that has to eat last. Uh, They kind of get pushed aside and they get whatever is left over. And maybe we think that's kind of cruel and unfair. But wolf wolf researchers have noticed that even though omegas are at the bottom, they still play a very important part in the pack. The omega wolf is the one who basically keeps morale up. Um, The omega wolf is, is like the class clown. Right, the one who's always telling jokes or playing tricks on the other wolves. Uh, the Omega Wolf is like that friend who, when you think about them, you're like, oh, Bob, right? What would we do without Bob the wolf in our pack? <laughs> and to put it a different way, uh, the Omega Wolf acts like the, the court jester, and they just keep things going, keep morale up. And what's so cool about these facts from the Alpha to the Beta all the way down to the Omega is that everyone, Everyone has a place and everyone has a purpose in the pack. And I love that because much like the body of Christ, God gives some this gift, gives some that gift. But the most important thing is that there is a place in the pack in the body of Christ for everyone, for everyone. Right? Whether God is calling you a lieutenant or a sergeant, right? Uh, an alpha or an omega, There's a place of purpose and importance for you in the body of Christ, right? Life is just better together, right? It's just better together. And we need to ask ourselves, who are the people in my pack? Who are the people in my pack, right? Who am I doing life with, right? And expand that from just your family, right? Who are your closest friends and confidants, right? And this is what I want you to do for your homework this week is I want you to to go home, sit down, and write a list of your five closest people in your life. Because what they say and what's been researched is that the five people you would um, identify as members of your pack, right, the closest ones to you, you are the average of those five people. 
right? You're the average of those five people. What do I mean? Well, you can look at finances. And if you figure out the, the finances of each of your five closest friends, average it out, that's pretty darn close to what you make in a year. Um, you can even look at it spiritually. Um, if you take the spiritual zeal and passion of God, of your friends, and you average that out, that's probably pretty close to, to your zeal and passion for God, right? And this tells us a few things. One is if you want to get richer, get richer friends, all right? So if you're rich, I would love to have dinner with you sometime. Um, or if you want to become more on fire for God, then get friends who are more on fire for God, Amen. right? It makes complete sense. And we've seen it time and time again, that if you're going to do life with a certain group of people, then you're going to end up doing the same things that they do, yeah. right? Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church, he often says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And if we want to act like wolves, if we want to act like sons of light and daughters of the day, then we have to be doing life with other people who are going to challenge us and push us and encourage us in our love for Jesus. Right? We need a pack of people who will support us in our fight and care for us when we're weak and knocked down. And that's why church strategies that employ small groups are so effective, which is why we do them here at CCA. Um, our small groups, we call them growth groups uh, because we believe that we weren't designed to live life alone. And we especially weren't designed to grow in our faith alone by ourselves. Even Paul says in the book of, of Ephesians that it takes the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ. There's no other way, no other way. So our growth groups, they're composed of people who get together once a week or, or maybe uh, twice a month who pray and encourage one another, right? Who share about the good and the bad going on in their lives, right? Or they're texting and messaging on Facebook back and forth, even when they're not together because they've identified and know, right? That the wolf is only as strong as the pack, right? And the Christian is only as strong as the other Christians around them. This is so important, right? So we need to consider uh, our, our pack when acting like a wolf. And the second thing we need to consider is our posture, our posture. Now, what do I mean by that? Am I talking about like our spiritual posture? Um, yes, that's important. But today I'm talking about our physical posture, like how your mom and dad would always harp on you. Sit up straight, right? Stand up straight. My mom would always tell me that at the doctor, right? Sit up straight. I don't know why it made a difference at the doctor, but <laughs> it did. Um, so your, your physical posture, and this even includes like your facial expressions, Right? What does your resting face look like? Um, I have a pretty serious resting face. Uh, my face always looks like I'm, I'm trying to figure something out or solve some kind of problem, um, even when I'm, I'm happy. Uh, or maybe you know someone who is always happy. They always have a smile on your, their face. And you're like, how do you do that? I had a guy um, in the military who went through basic training with me, and he always smiled. Right? Even when the drill sergeant was yelling at him and spitting in his face, he just smiled. And this just made the drill sergeant even more angry, right? <laughs> but you couldn't get him to frown at all. It was amazing. Um, he always smiled. But what does your posture say about you? What does your facial expression say about you? 
Because when you, you look at, at the wolves, look at a wolf, uh, they say that they can tell how successful a wolf is going to be in life just by the way it carries itself. Researchers say that they can look at a pack and based on uh, the way a wolf will carry itself, they can tell if it's going to be an alpha or if it's going to be an omega, if it's going to fit in with the pack or not. Right? For the alpha, they say uh, that there's almost this nobility to their posture. Right? Researchers get really into this, um, and sometimes maybe they read into it a little too much, um, but they look at their, their tails. Are they up or down? Right? If their tails are up, maybe they you know, had elk instead of bunny for dinner, and they're really excited about that. Or they look at their ears. Are they up or down? Their fur, is it, is it bristled or is it flat? Does a wolf show its underbelly in submission in a fight? Does it stand its ground? They say even uh, when they are cubs, just little baby puppy wolves, uh, they can tell what kind of life this wolf will live uh, just based on its posture, uh, on its character. And I wonder if we truly understand how important this is for our own lives. Right? Do you, or what I want you to do this week is go home and do a Google search. Uh, and look up different illnesses that have stress as their cause, right? Different illnesses that, that, that their, their cause is stress or anxiety, right? And what you'll find is that there are a, a ton of them, so many of them, because what stress does is it releases a chemical called cortisol, and too much of it can actually act as a carcinogen in your body. We're talking about stress leading to heart disease, Stress causing a whole list of problems in your life. And there's even research out there showing uh, that, that when you carry yourself, yourself in a nervous way, like, like you're hunched over, arms crossed, you're always looking down, what your mind and body starts thinking is that you're in danger, even if you're not in danger, right? Like, like the way you're carrying yourself and covering the sense of, sensitive parts of your body, right? Your body's like, don't hurt me right? Don't attack me. Leave me alone. And the research shows that if, if you do a saliva test after standing in this kind of position for 15 minutes, your cortisol levels shoot through the roof, right? Even if there's no stress going on around you, just by the way you're holding yourself. Um, and what this is saying is that you're causing yourself to feel stressed because you're standing, posturing as stressed. In the book, I Declare War, Levi Lusco talks about how he always preached stressed. Um, he actually didn't like public speaking. Every time he got up on stage, he was terrified. And this like, would build up in him throughout the entire week to the point where every Sunday before he got up on stage, he would dry heave in the bathroom because he was so nervous. Right? He couldn't have food in his system for, for six or eight hours because he would just throw it all up. So leading up to preaching on Sunday would be this terrible, like, torture fest for him all week. And he talks about how he found freedom from this simply by the way he carried and postured himself, right? Instead of carrying himself as nervous and acting nervous, he would act more confident in himself. And he would act more confident in the calling that God had placed on his life. And he especially did this, which I, I love this. He especially did this before going up on stage, right? He says that the more nervous he felt, uh, the, the less he wanted to worship, the more important it was for him to do so in that moment, right? When you look at the book of, the, uh, of Psalms, 
which is a book of prayers and worship songs, right? It never says, stand with your hands in your pocket, head down while you sing songs of worship to God. It never says that. No, it says that, uh, it tells us to lift our heads up, right? That God's a lifter of your head. And God wants you to raise your hands to him, all you people. Shout unto God with a shout of triumph. Clap your hands. That's what scripture instructs us to do during worship. And there's something to this church family. right? Because God knows what's good for us, better than we do. And there's, there's something freeing about a posture of confidence and power. And even when you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it. Uh, researchers have done the same uh, saliva test after someone stood like this, right? Like you just won uh, the Olympics or something for 15 minutes. And after that saliva test, they showed that their testosterone levels were boosted and elevated, which testosterone makes you feel more confident, stronger, right? Like you have more power. So when you're feeling stressed out or anxious, or you're down and you're wondering what's going on, right? Maybe you're like, ah, I'm being attacked by the enemy, right? The devil is out to get me. It's probably not that. Chances are you just need to change your posture, right? I think sometimes we pray for God to take things from us when actually God is like, you know, you can actually take care of this yourself right now, right? Maybe you just need to stop drinking so much coffee and soda, right? (laughs) Maybe you need to quit staying up so late and go to bed early. Maybe you need to get up off your feet, go for a walk or a run, or maybe you just need to rest more. You see, God usually doesn't show up and intervene in our lives until there's an impossible situation. And hear me, most of the situations we face in life, they're possible, right? And God's saying, just change your posture, change the way you're acting and see how it changes. Right? And so your posture is important. And I know you might be thinking, right, really we're talking about this today? Right? This isn't very groundbreaking, Pastor Kai. Right? Maybe not, but here's the deal. Knowing what to do has never been the problem. Yeah. Right? Knowing what to do has never been the problem. There's a huge difference between knowing what to do and doing what you know. Right? And there are simple things we can do that are even laid out in Scripture that help us live the life we want to live and live the life uh, Jesus died for us to live. So we need to think about our pack. Think about your posture. And third, think about your pregame. Your pregame. Right? Like not what happens when you're on the court and the timer's counting down. I'm talking about the game before the game. And wolves even give thought to this as well. Uh, The book, American Wolves, uh, is about the relocation of wolves from Canada to Yellowstone, right? Ranchers were like, we got to get rid of the wolves. And uh, environmentalists were like, we need the wolves. And really, we just all need to get together and find uh, a happy medium. Um, But anyways, um, and the author of the book said this. I want you to hear this. He said that um, they often gather to howl before setting off for a nightly hunt. Apparently, it's a kind of morale-boosting exercise. This type of how follows often a rally, which is an exuberant display of affection in which wolves leap on one another, forming a furry pile of tail-wagging bodies. Isn't that cute, right? (laughs) 
And we talked about this, this rally, this pregame howl last week, right? That our words or our howls should be used to build people up, right? Pump people up about life. But in a different sense, I wonder if wolves have the common sense to do something that would fire them up before the game, right? Why do we often go into work? We go into that presentation or meeting having not thought about our own souls and our hearts in that moment, right? Why would we not want to go or before work, right, listen to some scripture on an app or, or to some worship music? Why wouldn't we want to get some truth into our lives? I know a lot of us, we go into these meetings having prepared physically, right, brushed our teeth, combed our hair, hopefully, right, but we don't focus on what we do before that. And I promise you that this can be a game changer, Right, before your day starts, why wouldn't you do all these things? Right, many times in the Bible, before uh, the Israelites, God's chosen people would go into battle um, or go into a difficult situation. They would spend some time looking at their pregame. Right, they, would, they would make sacrifices to God because of their sins. Um, they would cry out to God in worship and give thanks to him for, for grace and provision. Right? And after that, only after that, then they would head into battle knowing that God was with them. God was for them, before them, behind them, to their left and to their right. And for us, it's so important before we go into battling traffic in the day or dealing with that difficult situation at work or home, I to give some focus and thought to what we do before all of the craziness of life happens. Right? Your pregame matters. Right? And finally, if we're going to act like creatures of the day, um, we should not be afraid to use props. Props. Um, we talked about the first part, right? Act like a wolf. Um, but the second part of this is acting like a wolf, like how actors act in a movie or in a play. Now, I'm going to preface uh, this part by saying that at first, this might not make sense to you. Uh, you might even push back against this concept. But I promise you, if you spend some time just on your own thinking about this, you will find the value, and more importantly, you'll find God in this. Right? But I don't know if you know this, uh, but actors use props. Uh, we have some pilots in, a, in the room, so I'm not talking about those props, right? Airplane props. Um, right? Everything that's on a movie or a Broadway show, uh, it's been carefully curated by what's called the prop master, and actors use props. Um, and this idea of using props is actually in the first Thessalonians passage we read earlier, right? It, it talks about that there's even this wardrobe that we're told to wear, right? What does verse 8 say again? If you want to throw that one up, Josh. It says, we're going about acting as creatures of the day, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. What does that mean? It means that those things aren't natively there on us. Right? You've got to keep putting them there. You've got to keep wearing them, putting them back on, because sometimes those things fall off of us. Right? You might slip into a rage or an anger right? or this depression, and you have to stop and think, oh no, what am I wearing? Right? This is a totally inappropriate attire for the scene that I'm in. I'm supposed to be a child of light, a son of the light, a daughter of the day. I need to put my hope back on. I need to put some love back on. Right? I need my props in my life. 
We need to act as creatures of the day, and actors use props. I'm going to explain this a little bit more. Right? What's the definition of a prop other than the one that we just talked about? Right? Well, well, there's two important ones. The first one is this. A prop is something used in creating or enhancing a desired effect. Right? It's the goal of Christian life is to be pleasing to God. That's the desired effect we all want. Or the second definition is something that props or holds up or sustains you. And I think when you're going, looking through your life, looking at your own props in your life, you'll find something propping you up. I think you'll find things in your life that help sustain you. And I'm not just talking about the good Sunday school answer of God is my sustainer, God is my prop, right? That is true. But it's okay to have physical props in our lives that help us sustain us in our faith, right? In scripture, uh, it talks about finding a special place that is set apart from distraction where you can go and pray and be with God. Sometimes this place is called a prayer closet. And guess what? That's a prop. It's a prop, right? Should we be able to focus on God and pray to God at any given moment? Yes, we should, but how easy is that in real life, right? We all know that that's difficult. Even Jesus used props in his life. Uh, his prayer closet was a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And he would go there often to get away from the crazy disciples to just uh, be with his father God and focus on him. Um, or he even used props in some of his miracles, right? Like when he spit on some dirt and made mud and rubbed it in the blind man's eyes so he could see, those were props. Or if you think about Christian monks or nuns, right? They use the rosary as a prop to help with their prayers. Every bead has a significance for a specific prayer. Or the clothes that nuns wear, every single part is, is, a, is supposed to resemble one of the armors of God that we're supposed to put on. So when they get dressed in the morning, right, they use this to remember to put on the armor of God. We use props in our church every single Sunday. Right? For example, uh, some of our church family today, they're going to go out and they're going to experience baptism for the first time. Right? And get this, baptism, it's kind of like a prop. We'll just wait just a moment. Not to be embarrassing, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so baptism, it's a, it's a prop, Okay. Uh, or the one that we use most often, at least here at CCA, is communion, right? And Jesus gave us the bread and the juice as props to what? To help us remember him, right? These are, these are props that we use. Um, and we can have personal props too to help us live as creatures of the day. Um, I know in our house, Annette, she's got index cards with scripture written on them placed all over our house so that we're, the word of God is constantly in front of us, right? That's a prop. Or maybe um, you like to journal. You like to write out your thoughts about life and about God. They say that if you write down five things once a week, it'll boost your happiness by 25%, right? Just five things once a week boost your happiness 25%. That's a prop. Or maybe your prop is a smartphone app that helps you to remember to read scripture, right? Or to, to listen to scripture. Maybe you've got a picture hanging in your house that helps you focus on God. You see, props are okay in helping us focus on God. 
It's not the prop that has the power. It's the prop that points us to the power of God, right? So we're not putting our hope in those things. And I know you might be hearing all of this, and you might be thinking to yourself that all of this props and acting, all of this seems so fake, right? That using props is somehow spiritually unauthentic. You might be thinking that our expressions of faith should come from a, a genuine place and using props doesn't seem very genuine, Pastor Kai. It seems forced, like we're trying to uh, be someone that we're not. Well, here's the deal. At the end of the day, I'm not asking you to be someone or something that you're not. I'm asking you to live a life that God wants you to live. I'm asking you to be the person that God wants you to be. And there's nothing fake or phony about that because here's what we all have to wrestle with and that we all have to let sink deep in our own hearts and minds. And it's this, you can't live the life God has called you to live without some outside assistance. It's impossible. There is nothing in your natural sinful self that genuinely wants to be a son of the light or a daughter of the day. Scripture tells us this, just read Romans. Right? Remember, you have that old self and that new self living inside of you. And that old self is constantly trying to pull you away from God. But hear me, those desires trying to pull you away from God are not who you are anymore. Right? You're not that person anymore. Um, that's who you used to be. And listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right, do you hear what Paul is saying in this verse? Right, he's one of the greatest Christians to ever walk the earth. Right, all of the good stuff that he's done in his life, the legacy that he's left behind, he's saying that none of that was genuinely me right? He's saying that I've died and it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. So hear this, seeking to be authentic or genuine to yourself, what that actually does is ignore the greater person inside of you that's trying to live through you. It ignores that person, Jesus, right? So hear me, don't do what feels authentic to you. Do what Jesus wants to do through you. I know that seems so basic, but if you wrestle with this and let it sink into your heart, right, you'll, you'll let that old person go away and you'll let Jesus live through you. That's what Paul did. Uh, C.S. Lewis once wrote, very often the only way to get equality in reality is to start behaving as if you had it already, right? Acting like a child of light or a daughter of the day, it doesn't come naturally to us, but that's okay. That's okay because we have our pack to help us. We can focus on our posture. We can focus on our pregame, and we can even use props to help us act like creatures of the day. Now, one more thing about wolves that I'd like to share with you that's really interesting. Is it okay if I just share one more wolf thing? Um, well, well, back to the posture thing real quick. In the book, Wisdom of Wolves by the Dutchers that we talked about last week, um, they talk about how when wolves enter their den, they slide in on their bellies into their den. And they say that no matter which wolf they are, 
right? All the way from the beta to the omega, when they enter their den, they always do this kind of bow before the alpha, just a simple bow. And it's this, this posture of deference or honor to the alpha. If it was the military, then this would be like your, your salute. And what's really interesting is that they said that all bow before the alpha, but no one bows lower than the omega. The, the omega, the last, he bows lowest of all. And I can't help but think about Jesus, who called himself what? The alpha and the omega. He was the first and the last. I am the one who was, is, and is to come. I am the Lord Almighty. And though Jesus is Lord of all, right, though he is the alpha, he gave that all away and he lowered himself to become a man. And not just any man, but the lowest man of all. He came to bear the sins of the world, to be a servant to everybody that he touched. And he died, even the death of the cross. And as it says in 1 Thessalonians, right, that death triggered life for all of us. And so my final encouragement to all of us this morning is let's live lives of bowing low before Jesus, right? He's our example right? The alpha and the omega. Because hear this, you can't rise up. Scripture tells us this. You can't rise up without bowing low first, right? And there comes such a power in your life through living a life of worship and surrender to Jesus, right? The alpha, the omega. Our daily activity should come from our new identity, right? Worship team, you guys can come on up. And as they're coming up, would you just bow your heads with me? If we can just have every head bowed, every eye closed. Just enter into a posture of receiving from God this morning and responding to him. Right, let these words begin to fill your mind again. What we've just talked about. About your pack. About your posture, your pregame and your props. And let's just begin to speak to God. Father, would you help us? And would you give us strength to live according to the new identity that you've given us? Father, thank you that you are with each one of us today each one of us who are, have some kind of battle going on in our lives. But God, you are with us. We thank you for your presence, even in the midst of that. And Father, would you help us to act like children of the day? Thank you for helping us act like children of the day. And as we're praying, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe this message struck a chord with you in some way. You realize maybe that your faith has been more thought and words than it has been action. And this week you realize you want to commit to working on your pregame, right? Maybe commit to, to doing some kind of action, committing to action, acting like a wolf, acting like a son or daughter of the light. 
maybe God's saying, hey, you know what? It's, it's time to finally go to that growth group that you know I've been telling you to go to. Maybe it's taking some time to, to journal or before work starts or on your way to work, committing to, to filling yourself up with that truth that you need before you start your day. Whatever action it is that God's calling you to do, would you commit to that today? And what I want us to do is just have a moment of boldness. And I want you to raise your hand if there's something in your life that God's saying, hey, commit to this action today. Just raise your hand as a sign of that commitment. Hands going up all over the room. And let this just be an outward confession that, God, I'm serious about this life you've given me to live. I don't want my faith to just be words and thought. I want it to be action because that's what speaks loudest. All right, you can, you can put your heads down. Thank you for making that commitment. And I also just want to give an invitation to those who are here who maybe you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus before. You're seeking change or you're seeking new life and you realize that you can only have that new life, that change by surrendering your own life to Jesus, by bowing low before the Alpha and the Omega. And the Bible tells us that when we confess and believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he would do, when we confess and believe that, then we become children of God, children of the light. So if that's you and you're ready to make that decision to surrender your heart to Jesus today, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. All right, this is also in a way like, like a prop. There's no magic in this, right? We're just confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. So I just want to lead you in a simple prayer if you're ready to make that decision today. So say these words with me in your own heart, in your own mind. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't fix myself, but I believe you can because Jesus lived died and rose from the dead for me. So I give you my heart today and I thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you said that prayer for the first time, right, one, we want to welcome you into the family of God. The, the greatest prayer, the greatest words you will ever speak, you just spoke. And we just want to celebrate with you. Um, so if you made that decision today, you can find myself um, or any one of our, our worship leaders up here today and just let them know, I gave my heart to Jesus today. And I would even challenge you, um, maybe you didn't bring a change of clothes, but we're doing baptisms today. Uh, and if you want to be baptized, we will baptize you today. That's just another outward confession of your faith in Jesus, right? That's how we come out as Christians is by, by going through baptism. Um, finally, what I want to do, and if we can just all stand together, is I want to give you the opportunity to respond to today's message by taking communion. Right? Like I said earlier, when we take communion, right, the, these physical props, the bread and the juice, what we're doing is we're engaging and remembering Jesus. So as you take communion today, I want you to translate communion and connect it with the message, right? Don't let it just be this passive action, but connect it to what we just talked about today.
Because what Jesus did in going to the cross and breaking his body into several pieces is that he made it possible for us to come together to be the one body of Christ. And because of his sacrifice, we get to live in the body of Christ uh, who, who supports us and fights alongside us in this life that we live. So as you take communion today, connect it to today's message. So I'm going to say a prayer, and when I'm done, uh, you're released to take communion. Uh, it's self-serve communion. Just break off a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and spend some time together as families, as friends, just speaking the gospel over one another. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you. Thank you.